0: Welcome everybody to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Lizzie Thomas. How's it going today, Lizzie? Hey, hey,
1: Tom. How you doing?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you. This is probably the most I've talked to somebody before a podcast because usually it's like the day before somebody emails me. It's like, (laughs) just want to make sure we're so good. But with you, I've feel like we've been talking for the previous week just to make sure we're both good and uh, ready to go. So I really appreciate that and uh, really excited to sit down and chat with you.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So um, for everyone that's just getting to meet you for the first time or uh, hearing about you for the first time, uh, kind of take this opportunity to introduce yourself and uh, like what your background in music is.
1: Sure, so my name is Lizzie Lizzie Thomas. On social, I'm Lizzie the Jazz Singer, and my website is lizzythejazzsinger.com. Um, I started playing music uh, classically piano. When I was about eight years old, I started studying the piano, and from there, really grew a love of music. It was the place I would go to express myself when I was feeling anything, um, even boredom, I would head to the piano. Um, so from there, I played clarinet for a couple of years in the school band. Unfortunately, I was led um, to believe that it wasn't cool to be in the band at that point. And so I quit. Oh. And then at around um, seventh, eighth grade is when chorus and choir and show choir. Uh, and really it was then that my voice was discovered. I had no idea that I could sing. Um, I didn't, I mean, I sang with my mom and I sang with my dad, and listened to music. Uh, for fun. And that was something, you know, I was always vocalizing, but it wasn't until I was about 12 years old that I really started then crossing over from, you know, still playing piano and enjoying it, but really focusing on my uh, voice and vocally uh, training at that point.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I went to Belmont university in Nashville, Tennessee, which was a really fun place to go to school I have, uh, I graduated with vocal performance degrees um, in jazz, in piano pedagogy. I went to graduate school and studied music education, particularly early childhood music education and have certificates in that um, to make money clearly because I wasn't like suddenly a star. Um, I had my own piano studio for about a decade. and then was itching to move to a bigger city. I wanted to really get into the jazz scene, and that's when I moved to New York. And I've lived in New York now uh, about fourteen years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, love it. It's it's really, it's really great. And I have access to people that I never would have if I didn't live here.
0: Awesome, awesome. And so, where are you from? Are you originally from Nashville, or where are you from originally?
1: Mm-hmm. I was born in Pittsburgh okay. and lived there three months.
0: Okay.
1: I don't remember much. <laughs> I got you. And then moved to Houston, Texas, lived there for three years, and then moved from Houston, Texas to New Jersey and lived there um, really my formidable years, five mm-hmm. years. And then uh, when I was about, I guess, fourth grade, so however old you are in fourth grade, I moved to Dalton, Georgia. Okay. So I really grew up in the mainly in the South um, and then realized it's so hot. I got to get yeah. out of here. <laughs> and so the weather in New York is perfect. Um, I spend my time back and forth between New York and Miami.
0: Oh, well. And so you were no stranger to New York when you moved here because you had lived in New Jersey. And I don't know much about the Eastern seaboard, but everybody tells me New York and New Jersey are pretty much one in the same.
1: Yes, they are. Um, I I like the cold weather, uh, so it was something that was a nice change for me. Um, I had visited New York quite a bit before I moved. I came up to do like jazz showcases, and um, you know, I was here quite. A, I had friends who lived here. Mm-hmm. They were. My so i would come and spend like holidays whenever i had time off i would be here in the city in new york um, and i started in astoria which was a really great way to experience new york city um, living in astoria um, for the first i think four years that i oh. lived here
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i was i was definitely a big fan and very familiar to what i was getting myself into
0: for sure for sure like for me i'm sure if i had ever moved to new york it would be a huge culture shock because I've never been to New York. The furthest up the Eastern seaboard I've been is DC. That's about it. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that's
1: a culture shock.
0: Yeah. Oh, so you'd mentioned that you started to discover your voice in about junior high, right? About seventh, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, was it at that point that you started pursuing writing your own music or was that much later on down the road?
1: Writing my own music was was later on. That was really Nashville for me. It's such a hotbed of creativity and songwriters. And that's really where I learned um, the art of, wow, you you can be a great front person. You could be a great mm-hmm. vocalist, um, but who's writing your song? Because that's really where the meat is. Yeah. And so taught me that. Um, I was in a lot of like, alternative indie bands. I played keyboards and uh, sang background vocals uh, all the same time I was doing like jazz restaurant gigs. Uh, It was a really great way to to learn how to be in a band, how to be a supporting character in a band and not necessarily be the front man. Um, I learned a lot and uh, it was a lot of fun. And that's when the uh, songwriting and um, tapping into creativity and really learning how to craft a song. Um, that's when I started writing and started learning those skills. Nice.
0: Who are you uh, listening to musically when you were starting to like really dive into your writing?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Tori Amos, mm-hmm. Sarah McLachlan, Nina Simone, you know, basically any woman that was sitting behind the piano and playing, I mm-hmm. really vibing off of that because that's where I was coming from. Um, I really loved, um, well during that time in the alternative indie style, like Morrissey and the Smith and, um, let's see who else, but then I would also, you know, I love, I worked with the cellist, and so I, I loved having kind of that classical feel coming into it. So I really listened to a lot of different, um, a lot of different styles and bands, but it was really that kind of like emotional, um, artistic creative, but also these people I listened to were probably really trained. Um, and so it was natural was cool because yes, a lot of people are trained there, but they're also just like blood, sweat, guts, and glory, mm-hmm. and a lot of hard work and determination and just raw creativity. And I think that was, you know, coming out of a real trained, Uh, schooling, meeting just really creative people were like mind boggling to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, And so kind of taking a step back really quick. um, Mm -hmm. It's always been piano. That's always been your instrument or was there a point there where you started or tried to jump into another instrument?
1: I try. I mean, I got really into the strokes. And so I tried to be like a chick rocker on a guitar. I'm not a stringed, I'm yes. So piano is my main instrument Mm -hmm. place that I now play classically again, which I love having that ability. And I do all my songwriting on piano, but I also Mm -hmm. pull back. I mean, I find that um, when I'm beginning to write a song or even work, you know, like work on a jazz standard, um, I go to the piano first. Um, and look at the melody, like what's going on here in this song. Um, but then I pull back and I go to the lyrics and do mm-hmm. that very, like intimate, emotional, um, what I call marination of the lyrics. Like, what is the song saying? Or if I'm writing, what do I want to say? Or yeah. a lot has nothing to do with what I want to say. I listen. Like, what needs to be said in this? What am I hearing um, and then, you know, all, the goal for me is always finding my most, most authentic voice, most mm-hmm. authentic to communicate the song. You know, with jazz standards, these songs have been sung by everyone yeah. or played by everyone. So what am I doing or how am I bringing um, a, a new perspective on it or my own perspective? How am I myself to it? So those are my, my approaches when I'm looking at new, new material.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you've been playing predominantly jazz music since you left Nashville. When you left Nashville, is that kind of when you got out of your alternative rock phase or do you still?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I do my own songwriting Mm -hmm. here, which is very, um, I mean, it's piano and vocal
2: Mm -hmm.
1: probably more based in that, um, alternative kind of feel, Mm -hmm. Are, are folk in a way. It's kind of folky. Um, but yeah, jazz is my great love. Um, I've been a jazz, a professional jazz vocalist gigging for the last 15 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe, yeah, even longer, honestly. But here in New York, 15 years. And um, in the Southeast region, I go back to Nashville. I do shows at um, a place in the Gulch called Rudy's. Oh. I work with Jazz Workshop. Um, I do a lot of private events here around New York city, Philly, New Jersey. Um, so, you know, at this point in my career, that's something I'm really expanding. I'm looking to, okay, where else can I bring my music and share my music, which is, um, really one of my next steps.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you remember the first jazz song that spoke to you in a completely different way that was like, Hey, this is something that I got to do, or this is where I want to be.
1: Um, it wasn't necessarily a jazz song, but that was Billy. That was when I was 18 year old, 18 years old. And I heard Billy holiday for the first time. And I was like, what is this? What is this voice? What is happening here? I'd never heard anything like it. Um, and I, at that point, um, vowed for the next year that I wouldn't listen to anyone else. I wanted to understand what Billy holiday was expressing and why and how and she really taught me not to sing anything unless it was really something you felt that was true
0: cool cool yeah i've you know it's it's really interesting to um kind of go back and visit that moment moment song you know like whatever it is for the individual artist that was kind of a turning point in in their career like because had you not heard Billie Holiday, it could have been, you could have went any other direction, like music. Yeah,
1: country, because I was in and- Nashville. That was the most likely thing, you know, and yeah. I was brought up in South, So I was listening to, you know, Garth Brooks and and um, Willie Nelson. And, you mm-hmm. know, my dad was a big country music listener. So,
0: yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so just kind of reflecting on that is always a cool part, especially when somebody has that moment of oh I could definitely have been going this way but then I heard this one song or this one moment and it's like nope th- this just speaks to me I gotta do it so absolutely. Uh, so y- you've been playing jazz pretty much your entire time or not pretty much your entire time in New York do you um h- how's the uh scene in New York for jazz music it feels like it would be a very big thing maybe i don't know
1: it is the scene
0: mm-hmm.
1: period it is the biggest jazz scene in the world i think yes there's pockets in other places where people love jazz and we all go mm-hmm. uh, you know japan italy um parts of europe mm-hmm. Germany. um so there are other like jazz loving pockets where you get great great um great jazz music and of course jazz artists are being born all over the world Mm -hmm. um but yes jazz is i would say one of the heartbeats jazz and broadway Mm -hmm. uh, music theater are really the heartbeats of new york York. city Um, with that i'm able to play with some with the best jazz musicians in the world they either live in new york or around new york or i have access to them because i live and play in new york which is really thrilling
0: Mm. have you ever played roswell jazz fest no no okay i it's just that that's the only jazz music festival i've ever been to and so i was just taking a shot in the dark roswell new mexico
1: oh new mexico okay
0: yeah um every i want to say right around this No, no 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 it's not this time it's usually in like the late September, that area, Mm -hmm. uh, they do a jazz festival and they bring in musicians from all over the place. And it's basically a couple of people that just really love jazz music that, uh, run an arts collective down there. And they, uh, just bring in all the best jazz musicians they can find. So it's taking a shot in the dark to see if maybe you'd play.
1: I'll put it on my list. I mean, festivals are great and that's something that we need more of. And bless those people who are like, we love jazz. We want to bring all these amazing yeah. musicians. If we didn't have them, we wouldn't have places to play. So that's
0: yeah, great to hear. For sure. That And that was kind of like the one year that I went, we were doing uh, media for them as live and amplified. And mm-hmm. that was kind of my first like real introduction into like authentic jazz and just like being around real jazz musicians. And I, I say that because like in fourth and fifth grade, when we were, when we were going through like music class and we do like the standard, the jazz standards, and you know, just to learn music or sing or, you know, like whatever it was we were doing in that class. But then I get to this festival 20 some odd years later, or how much ever later it was in my career. Um, and they're playing these songs that we used to sing in fourth grade. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. I used to sing this in fourth grade. So.
1: Yes. And the beauty of the American songbook, which is our gift that we give to the world. I mean, those songs, I still sing songs from 1927, 32, 34 and up, and they're extremely relevant um, to us today. The lyrical content and the beauty of the melodies and the harmonies. It's, it's really amazing um, that, we have such a rich musical collection. Mm
0: -hmm. And what I I really appreciate about jazz music and just uh, jazz musicians in in general is their ability to just kind of roll with the punches and (laughs) just kind of, um, you could literally throw four jazz musicians on stage and they could just go to the standards and it's going to be a pretty decent show. And like by pretty decent show, I mean, amazing show.
1: So, Yeah, you're totally right.
0: But just because you've got those standards that you could jump to and it's like, and if they're really good musicians, you could say, Hey, just kick it in this key and stay right. You know, you can like orchestrate something if you want to get a little crazy, but you know, for the most part, you just kind of stay in the standards. And so. It's really cool. I, I, enjoy, I wish I could see more jazz music, but being in central Texas there from what I've seen, there's not much of a jazz scene here. So.
2: Yeah.
0: But
1: nice yeah. story, Tom, just speaking exactly to that. Um, I travel quite a bit and I was in Chile mm-hmm. and I don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And um, I was um, at a jazz club and there was the, I'm, you know i knew someone so i had the ability to sit in on stage and i walk up there i call a tune that i knew everybody would know call a tune in a key and the next thing i know i'm you know singing in chile to a group of only spanish speaking people and i'm singing in english but everybody knows the song and we're able to enjoy the music together mm-hmm. regardless of what language we speak and that's what that happens to me all over all over the world and it's a really wonderful thing where you can make music with people and that's your language that you're speaking. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I saw a couple of different situations like that. When we were at the Roswell music festival, it wasn't like the language barrier, but we had somebody from, we had like a singer from Australia, a drummer from like South or no West Texas. He was like from El Paso in that area and then like a keyboardist from out West somewhere. And they all came together. They literally met four minutes before getting on stage. Mm -hmm. And they put on one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. So, And I mean, I'm sure it's one of those deals where they know some of the same people. So it's not like they were completely unfamiliar with each other, but like the fact that they were just meeting each other for the first time four minutes before the show and jumping right into it. It was pretty cool. Yes. So. Agreed. um, So you got a new album coming out here in September, correct? Yeah, September.
1: Yeah, Um, September, October. It's still uh, being slated. Okay. Uh, Yes, it's called Duo Encounters. And it's um, an album that was inspired and birthed out of The pandemic Mm -hmm. and share a little bit of why, Um, especially in New York, the lockdown was really hardcore and it was, um, I'd never experienced anything like it. And I, and my friends and um, here, my fellow New Yorkers, um, it was really scary. And also it was also just, you know, I went out of the house one time a week to get groceries. this was over a period of about three up to four months, where we were locked in, um, we couldn't go out. I mean, you could go out, sure, uh, but nothing was open. We would take like joy rides in the car and just be like, woo, you know, get to places. You could go anywhere in New York. Like we could park anywhere. We never get parking here. But then you would get out and realize, oh, well, nothing's open. So I guess we'll just take a walk around the block. Yeah. Uh, So. it it was pretty hardcore. During that time, um, as a creative musician, I didn't want to just stop because I couldn't. So I was doing every Friday night, I was doing uh, live streams, split screens with my pianist in Philly Mm -hmm. and me in my closet in New York City. And we did, um, I think about 15 of these shows and they were Awesome because it was a way that we all we knew what we were doing on Friday at 7 p.m. I was getting ready for something. I had a set list. I had people that we would connect with in Europe and Mm -hmm. here all over the states. Um it was really special time and definitely something that we all needed. Um and then at some point, you know, 15 weeks in, I was like, I'm tired of creating music with another person on a screen. You know, like, so a couple of weeks later was when we were finally able in New York City to go into another room with someone. Dun, dun, dun. So I was able to have my pianist come to New York City, go to the piano room. Um, he sit at the piano and me play, and me sing. And it was the first time I've been able to make music with another musician in months Mm -hmm. and it was incredible the depths I could go all the expression um you know it was like being unleashed again Mm -hmm. so really this album duo encounters is that energy it's two people two instruments my voice and another instrument whether it be I've got the best guitarists the best bass players the best pianists um and I'll, I'll share a little personnel with you after I finish the mm-hmm. inspiration story yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, but to be able to one collaborate and connect with so many people was part of the motivation. So there's 12 separate instrumentalists on this album with myself, and the song choices are definitely. I mean, Billy Strayhorn, Lush Life. That's a deep song. That's. Like to me, quintessential New York City. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I hope that the best of us and the worst of us, we never truly live the lush life story because it's sad. Um, Let's see um, Coltrane's around midnight. Uh, Willow, weep for me. Um, You're getting to be a habit with me. Um, Every time we say goodbye love for sale. Cole Porter is one of my, my great loves. And so, um, I, I, love singing his songs. Um, so it's really, it's really rich. It's really nice. deep. Uh, it's very intimate, but in a way that, um, is a, an intimate conversation that you're having, you know, with someone in like the corner of the room.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, that is the inspiration for this album, which I think is really thrilling because it's not like, ooh, pandemic, dark, inter- in, you know, like inverted. Yeah. It's very much like the joy yeah. of creating and making music with another person and wanting to share that expression.
0: Yeah, that's that's really refreshing, just like the, to kind of flip this entire experience and make it joyous that we're back together, able to create music where I've heard a lot of pandemic music. That's like deep, (laughs) dark, depressing, like, you know, it's kind of weird that you have to call it pandemic music, but that's kind of what a lot of the music that's been released over the last we'll say year, because not all the music released early on during the pandemic was pandemic music, but just like over the last year or so, and we'll probably be dealing with for the next not dealing with, but that'll probably be released over the next year is like, it's just like super deep, dark, depressing, because that's where a lot of people were at the time. Like when they were getting, uh, when they were locked in, in their house all by themselves, it's like, you know, it's, it's deep, dark and depressing, but you were able to kind of flip it and make it joyous. Um, So duo encounters, is this a full-length album or is it um uh, E P?
2: it's
1: a full-length album it has 13 most likely 13 songs on it 12 or 13 um the album will be i'm, I'm talking with different uh with record labels right now and i'm hoping to have the album released mm-hmm. um on an album, on a label, so that I can really, you know, really want the world to hear this record and the people on it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, you mentioned earlier about uh, musicians, particularly jazz musicians, being able to never know each other and show up and meet and then create this amazing music. Mm -hmm. 40%, no, 50, honestly, 50% of the instrumentalists on this album, I had never met before. Mm We come to the studio and we are, you know, Wayne Escoffery, for example, he's an incredible saxophone player. We are doing Lush Life together. I had listened to him. I was a fan and admired his work and thought, you know what? I need someone who can go really deep on Lush Life. And yes, it's only a saxophone and voice. So... It's very challenging, it's very daring, but that's what I felt as if the song called for. I work with John DiMartino, Mm -hmm. um, the arranger and the producer on the album. And so we've been talking about this album and I've been sharing this idea with him for, I would say about a year now. And Mm -hmm. um, we went in the studio at the beginning of the year and we had three different studio dates. Um, The legendary Ron Carter, Maestro Carter on bass is on this album. Um, Wow. (laughs) Totally. Wow. Uh, We are playing Willow weep for me, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, um, we wanted, uh, you know, I wanted John and I, I really picked the tunes. John recommended some tunes, um, but we wanted to pick tunes that really showcased the individual style of the instrumentalist and Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to welcome them in um, to the conversation, a musical conversation. Uh, Rossano Sportuello is an incredible Italian pianist. Um, He specializes in stride style. And so we really wanted to find a song that would showcase those talents. Um, I work with um, two, is it two or three? Guilherme Mantiero, Brazilian, Café, Brazilian, oh, Elio Alves, Brazilian, mm-hmm. three Brazilian players. Fantastic. Elio Alves and I are uh, discovering Lush Love for Sale,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Cole Porter's Love for Sale, and he plays this really exciting um, bayon rhythm, which is a Brazilian rhythm. Uh, and then he moves into a samba. So it's very exciting, which I think Love for Sale deserves, like an exciting rendition. Um, Cafe is uh, a percussionist. And so I really wanted to go deep
2: mm-hmm.
1: on a song like Nature Boy. It's been a song that I've loved for a long time and approaching it just with percussionist. Um, was really, I don't know, like spiritual, honestly, spiritual experience of just where are we going? What are we doing? And, and just being completely uh, lost in the music, um, Desron Douglas mm-hmm. and a great New York city bass player. We are playing, um, what are we playing? Have you met old mm-hmm. Jones? Have you met Miss Jones? Depending on which, which uh, lyrics you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's, he's brand new for me to work with him. Um, he's fantastic. He has such a, a great personality and character, and he brings such passion to his music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: N- Noriko Ueda, who is um, a really incredible female bass player that's working with the band Artemis. Uh, we do Cole Porters every time we say goodbye.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: John DiMartino, we do <laughs> a beautiful song called It's Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do another Cole Porter tune after you. Who? So I could continue on and on. It's, it's, it's really rich and deep. And um, stylistically speaking, the songs, um, we approach them from a composer's point mm-hmm. of view. Um, and also really chose the instrumentalist that um, would let me bring my personality to each song and my vocal um, abilities to each song, but also it's really a musical conversation I'm having. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's why it's called Duo Encounters. Yeah. Because we had no idea, but we kind of knew what was going to happen in the studio. And then we're like, yes!
0: Um, yeah. Okay. And so is every song like a jazz standard, or is there any uh, original stuff that you wrote?
1: Um, the I, There's no originals on there for okay. myself. That's coming. Um, but as far as there's a standard but not a jazz standard, there's a Joni Mitchell tune on okay. there. Um,
0: that's the surprise. Got it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to.
1: No, 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 it's good. I'd love to show the surprise. Um, and that means that you're you're doing your job as well.
0: It's yes. uh, covering
1: cause, all, of, all the
0: okay, Well, cause it's one of those things where it's um, I'm not overly familiar with a lot of the like if you dive deep into a lot of the what would be jazz jazz standards. I'm not overly familiar with a lot of them. But as you started naming some of those songs, it's like oh, I know that song or I know that song. You know, some of those songs I had heard before and. Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw it out there to see if there's any originals, but now it makes sense. Um, how, how did you, uh, so uh, of all these musicians that you, uh, named off, how did, how did you kind of get in contact with them? Was it all social media or through friends or some of them I'm assuming you've probably played with before, or how, how did you kind of get introduced to a lot of these?
1: Yeah. Um, Russell Malone is on the album. This is his second appearance, mm-hmm. uh, my fifth album. So he was on my, my fourth album. Um, and so, you know, the ones that I had relationship with, I just called them up and said, Hey, I am, I'm doing this album. I'd love for you to be part of it. It's just one song, which this is very unconventional. This is not a typical <clears throat> way to approach an album, which is also why I think it's really creatively thought out and, and, mm-hmm each song is its own little nugget. Um, so I leaned on John DiMartino because he had some relationships with some of the people that I didn't have. Um, so we both, uh, between John and myself, uh, we both were able to connect with on a personal level through phone and email, uh, deliver the message and really get, um, these these incredible artists to the studio again three different studios um we recorded at tedesco in new jersey mm. um with uh tommy and samurai hotel which is in astoria and that's with uh david and then bass hit is with dave darlington and that's here in the city mm. and that's where I'm also doing mixing and post-production. Like I go into the the studio next week um, on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. a day before a big show I have um, next week. And uh, we'll do some, a lot of the mixing. So it's, it's, it's a process and and it's, but it's worth it. It's nice to have some time away because you can marinate on things and listen in different circumstances different places, different, when you're feeling differently. So you're able to get a perspective
0: for sure. For sure. Um, so kind of since you're in the middle of not so much recording anymore, more of the mixing, what's going through your mind right now.
1: Um, really wanting to honor each of the, the songs Mm -hmm. really want to make them, um, exactly Uh, what it is that uh, the vision is Mm -hmm. and as sparkly and fantastic as they can be. Um, That is really, and and honestly, it's two instruments. So this is not a massive mixing process, but it has to be very precise because Mm -hmm. you hear everything. Yeah. So it's, it's a precision, it's a precision dance that we're having. Um, we already have mixed four songs, which are like just rough mixes, um, and just kind of living with that so that when we go back in the studio, we'll approach the next nine tune. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I'm not trying to rush it. I don't need to rush it with a, with an October release.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's really important to have the album in its best form. Yes.
0: For sure. For sure. And so the, uh, few songs that you sent me, uh, earlier this week, those are, uh, where are they kind of at in the uh, mixing process? Are they-
1: uh, they're rough mixes. I mean, there, it, there might be a couple more tweaks. It might be, Ooh, we need to bring that level up a little bit. Um, but it, I'd, I'd love to share one of the songs if you'd like They're they're not the shiny finished product, but mm-hmm. I think it's, and, and, and this process to, to share a little bit of, Oh, well, this is where we are with this
0: mm-hmm. um, was there
1: song that you particularly jived with.
0: Um, not really. Uh, just, uh, they were all really good. And, um, actually I was kind of planning on going out of the podcast with one song. So, uh, oh. but that, I was thinking, uh, smart, smile was pretty good for like I enjoyed uh that one so we'll probably go out with that one here in a few minutes as we uh uh, uh wrap everything up um let, let's talk about that song specifically since we'll uh run out with it uh why did you kind of choose that song
1: well during the pandemic uh in my virtual shows that I mentioned um w- Once I was able to get back into the room and start playing with just one other person, um, I produced a Jazz on 38 series. uh, And that series was out of the the Four Seasons Downtown. All of those shows are on YouTube, which are great because you can actually go and watch um, entire shows. But one of the songs throughout the pandemic that I would generally finish my show with was the song Smile. So I sang Smile probably like 30 times um, over the pandemic in a performance-type setting Um, because it brought me peace. It brought me um, at a time where there was so much uncertainty, at a time when there was so much like, you can go out. No, you need to stay in. You wear masks. No, you don't wear masks. Uh, We're open. We're closed. You have to, you know, I don't have to go through it A great time of uncertainty and, um, you know, people were really looking for a message of peace and a message of just being able to soothe uh, ourselves um, and also hope and joy and and wanting to think, you know what, at some point this is going to be over and we're going to look back and be glad that it's over, but we're going to be better on the other side. So the song "Smile." Was originally written musically by Charlie Chaplin. Mm -hmm. And um, most people know who Charlie Chaplin is, but some of the younger, (laughs) some of the youngers might not know. But, um, you know, he was called the Tramp and was basically the ultimate silent screen star Mm -hmm. of comedy. Um, And he was an incredible communicator without even using words, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. So that's my love of this song. That's where that was developed um, during the pandemic of really providing a message of it's going to be better. Let's just smile through this. And, you know, sometimes you might look at the lyrics and go, Oh, we're not exploring our feelings. That's not effective on this at all it's yes, we're feeling our feelings and we're exploring them. But at the same time, we're also moving in hope and being positive about that things are going to change. And that's, what's going to get us through the day. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that's my great love of the song. Um, Guillermo Montiero is playing a nylon string guitar and you can really hear through his playing. And I was just blown away. This was Um, I'd never met him until he shows up at the studio that day. We immediately connected. Um, we, we recorded three takes of this song and when he started playing, it was just like waves washing over me, the feel of the song. And it was very healing and meditative. And I think we capture that, in this rough mix that you have, um, I was really taken along for the ride and I was like transported to Rio and felt my feet in the sand as I was recording this and as I was singing it and the waves going back and forth. And um, I think the song, the recording really captures that healing moment, the peacefulness of it. And it's really soothing,
0: I think. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously you brought up Charlie Chaplin, which resonates with me a little bit because I did go through film school and we spent an entire semester watching all his short films and stuff that he was a part of. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised I'd never heard this song. And maybe, maybe I did and I just don't remember, you know, like whatever the scenario is. So it kind of a cool coincidence that I picked that song. So.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm glad. Um, so w- when we kind of wrap this up, we'll jump into that song and we'll kind of roll out with it. Um, sure. But so you, you're you're in the process of working on this album and you brought up that you had some live or you have a pretty big live show coming up. Uh, what's yeah. that show? Uh, how often are you playing live shows at this point?
1: Oh, as often as I can. Um, so my show is Thursday, March mm-hmm. 20th worth. Um, it's in New York City. It's at Chelsea Table and Stage, um, which I play probably twice a year there. It's a mm-hmm. really beautiful venue. It's a dinner show. They offer great food. And that's the point of why they um, developed Chelsea Table and Stage to come and to eat great food and to listen to great music. Um, so it's a really beautiful venue. If none of you, if you New Yorkers are listening right now and you're in the area, I would highly recommend coming. Mm-hmm. It's at p.m. on Thursday, March 24th. Um, I have uh, my band. All of the guys on the stage with me have been in the studio with me, which is really exciting. Um, another guitarist on the album is Ron Afif. And he and I have worked together for the last 13 years in New York city. He'll be joining me, John DiMartino, uh, Des Dez. Desron Douglas, Carmen, and Torres Jr. on drums. Um, So it'll be a really exciting show. I play there twice a year. Um, I play in Nashville. I was just there in Nashville for February, like a Valentine's Day show. Mm -hmm. So my website is is going to update you, Lizzie the Jazz Singer, on where I'm playing. And um, I also have a great Patreon account where I'm doing behind the scenes of the making of the album. Um, you will also see that during the pandemic, I developed a whole, um, jazz diva loungewear line and also candles, um, that is purely just to celebrate the women in jazz. I started with Billie Holiday, Nina Simone and myself. So it's like my music merchandise, um, for the jazz lover. And then, um, I, on my website, there's behind the scenes of like what, when I was recording albums, this is my fifth. So the last four I share like what was going on and why I chose some of the songs I chose and the personnel. So I, it's a newer website for me. I really love it. I think you can get a lot out of, you can get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best way to say that.
0: <laughs> no, it, it, it made perfect sense. It, <laughs> it, um, no, so, so the, uh, you got the show coming up on, the 24th, yeah. right? Yeah. 24. I sit here. Like I have the calendar right in front of me and it's like, all you have to do is read and.
1: Yeah. and I can't believe be March. it's going to be March 24th. Yeah. I'm doing, well, I'm working, you know, I've got a lot of things that I'm working on mm-hmm. uh, to do virtual show again um, in the summer, because I have a lot of people that can't come to New York to see my shows. Um, that'll be in, I think, June, mm-hmm. uh, I'm taking April off just to travel because I haven't been travel for three years. So I'm yeah. going to Portugal and um, Morocco and mm-hmm. and Spain, which should be really exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm doing the same thing in May, except not as cool places. So, <laughs> um, yeah. basically, we've spent the last the four years prior to the pandemic being able to travel and go wherever we want, and now, for the last two years, uh, we haven't really gone anywhere as far as live and amplified is concerned. So it's like I took a lot of the podcast off. Like I, I have a couple booked in May, but it's like, nope, I'm going to keep it fresh and I'm going to go to some of these places that I haven't been to in a while or I've never been to. So I know there's a trip to Nashville coming up. Uh, yeah, it, it it's been two and a half years since I've been to Nashville. So it's like, okay, time to go do that. Yeah. And where- uh, what's that?
1: Where else are you going?
0: Uh, I'm going to Chicago. My sister just announced she was pregnant. So she's having like a gender reveal party in May at some point. So it's like, okay, go, go back home to Chicago, I guess, or central Indiana where she lives now. Um, and then there was a talk about just taking a random road trip to South Dakota. Cause I lived in North Dakota for about a week and one of my biggest regrets was not stopping at Mount Rushmore on my way back to Florida. And it's like, you know what? Let's go do it before it becomes too late and I really regret not doing it. So
1: Good for you.
0: So I'm I'm probably going to go take just a random trip up to South Dakota. Enjoy uh, your I will. I enjoy driving just in period. Time. I just enjoyed driving, you know, it's peaceful. It's, you know, I don't know. It, a lot of people hate it, but it's like, no, I enjoy it. So, um, so yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, outside of music, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do to kind of escape from the, uh, pressures of everyday life when Lizzie needs some Lizzie (laughs) time?
1: Well, Lizzie is very into self-care, so I do yoga. Um, I love Pilates. Um, I one of my splurges, um, but really monthly maintenances is, is I get facials monthly, um, which is heaven because not only do you feel good, but you look you look really good too. Um, I like to take walks. I like to be outside. I am not in a gardening phase in my life, but it is something that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: the grounded feeling of putting your hands in the dirt and being in the dirt. Um, I am obsessed with um, languages. Mm-hmm. So I am <clears throat> trying to learn Italian. It's, it's tough to learn a, lang- a new language as an adult. Um, because I'm in and out of Miami so much, I'm trying to add Spanish to my belt as well. Again, tough. Mm -hmm. Um, and then travel. So those are the ways that, um, I feel inspired. I, I maintain, um, my creativity, um, taking care of myself and then my relationships are really important to me. Um, my girlfriends and my relationship with my husband, that's something that, um, takes a lot of my time and work um but in a good way
0: (laughs) for sure for sure so one thing we got to do before we wrap this up and we get to smile here and since you said you like spontaneity i think this (laughs) will go right up your alley i I, have it what's it i said that (laughs) i think you said that unless i completely misheard you um but I have a random question generator and we're going to just run through some of these questions here. And uh, if you're ready, I've got some of the randomness for you. Okay. If you were a chess piece, what piece would you be? Queen. Would you rather win an Olympic medal, an Academy award, or a Nobel peace prize?
1: Uh, Academy award.
0: Would you rather live without the internet or without air conditioning?
1: Without the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was, I don't know why that was the best question I've ever had off this generator, but. Um,
1: uh, I don't know. I might regret that decision, but.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, especially, especially in New York. Uh, but um, if you had to choose between your sense of smell or a smartphone, which would you pick?
1: My sense of smell, hands down.
0: If you could have any superpower, what would it be? To fly. I feel like that's a pretty common one because, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And Last question. uh, Would you rather eat the same thing every day or wear the same thing every day?
1: Eat the same thing every day.
0: Fair enough fair enough. Awesome. (laughs) And that's wasn't quite as painful as it could have been. Like I've seen some real randomness come out of that, that generator. So
1: yeah, Uh, well, I'm a big fan of games. So that was that kicked into my like, let's have fun game.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, it was something that I started back in November because we did a fundraiser for pancreatic cancer research. And It it was, I did a podcasting marathon where I did over a hundred podcasts over the course of like three days. And it was one of those deals where it's like, this is a very serious topic that we're talking about. Let's end it at least on a random note or a fun note. And I downloaded this app and I was like, okay, that's cool. And I started asking everybody a random question of the day. And I had to, after a while, I started to learn how the app worked and I had to like modify it because it was 21 questions to ask your friends or something like that. And it would ask like really personal questions. Like, no, we're not asking what's your deepest fan, you know, like whatever it is. And it's Are just you- like, nope. So I was able to kind of go in and modify it a bit. And now it's a fun, lighthearted game. Yeah. So oh, it's a- uh, What's that?
1: It's a good one. Yeah.
0: You, um. Thank you. Thank you. So um really excited that you enjoyed that and it didn't go completely off off the tracks as <laughs> it probably could have. Um, but we're going to uh, tune in or we're going to play uh, the rough edit for a rough mix. My bad, I'm a video person. So editing is just what I call everything. Uh, so we're going to play the rough mix of Smile and then we'll come back and we'll close it out with all your socials and stuff like that.
2: Thank you.
3: Smile through your tear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through For you Light up your face with gladness Hi every trace of sadness although a tear may be ever so near that's the time you must keep on trying smile what's the use in crying you'll find that life is still worthwhile if you face with gladness hide every trace of sadness
0: Awesome. That worked perfectly. I wasn't Thanks. it was an amazing song. I really appreciate you letting us share that song. And kind of watching you listen to the song was really interesting to see how you would react with it. How did you feel listening to this song?
1: I I think it's like the ultimate song of healing. It's, <laughs> gotcha. it's very It really puts me at peace and that's what I hope it does for everyone. When they hear it, that, that, that this really takes them through whatever they're going through or puts them in a better mood than they were before. Um, but also just, um, brings healing, honestly.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I really appreciate you giving us this, your time on this Sunday morning when there's a marathon going outside your window. I've heard like it goes away every once in a while and then every so often there's just like a, yep, that's exactly what happens. So, um, but I really appreciate you giving us the time today to sit down and chat a little bit and talk about Duo Encounters, your new album coming out here at the closer to the end of the year. Um, we'll just put it in that phrase until you uh, kind of lock down the uh, official release date and whatnot, as you kind of go through that process. But uh, if anybody wants to check out any of your upcoming shows, interact with you on social media or uh, get updates on the uh, release of the album, where's the best places to do that?
1: Lizzie, the jazz singer on Instagram, on Facebook, Lizzie, the jazz uh, Lizzie Thomas is my stage name. That's my middle name. Thomas. You can find me on YouTube where you can get full-length and extended versions of songs. Um, you can find me generally clips from all my live shows. If you're considering coming up to New York to go to a live show, please do. I'll be um performing all this year. Um so check, check me out. I hope that I get to um connect with you. And yes, it's me that answers my messages and DMs on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so I've, I look forward to meeting you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you all later.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it.